Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. The FT. Welcome to this edition of World Weekly with me, Gideon Rachman. This week, we look at the referendum on Scottish independence, which will take place later this year in September. If the Scots vote to go it alone, they'll break up a union that's existed for over 300 years. This Friday, David Cameron, the British Prime Minister, gave a speech in London in which he urged Scots to stay in the union. From Manchester to Motherwell, from Pembrokeshire to Perth, from Belfast to Butte, from us to the people of Scotland, let the message be this, we want you to stay. Mr Cameron's intervention has been treated by the Scottish nationalists as a sign of panic from the government in London. So, what's going on, both in the polls and in the wider debate? Joining me on the line from Edinburgh, perhaps soon to be the capital of an independent Scotland, is Muir Dickey, our correspondent there. And in the studio here in London is our commentator and blogger, John McDermott. John, you've looked quite closely at the polls. Is there any sign of movement suggesting that the yes to independence campaign are making gains? The six polls conducted since the release of the Scottish National Party's white paper all show a slight shift in support for the yes campaign. On average, about three percentage points. But overall, we're talking about, say, two yes voters for every three no voters. So, Muir, I mean, this campaign's got a long way to run. Do you think that it is still pretty much a foregone conclusion that Scots will vote to stay in the union? Or do you sense that things actually are moving and that it's very unpredictable? Well, I think it's it's clear that the Yes campaign has a long way to go, but there's been, as, as John mentioned, there's sort of enough of a movement in the polls to give them some encouragement. And if you ask senior campaigners on the no side, if they see it as a foregone conclusion, they will say absolutely not. There's a lot of people in Scotland who have yet to make up their minds, a lot of people who haven't really engaged with the debate because there's still seven months to go. And there's also the Salmond element, and the SNP is a very formidable campaigning machine, which will be increasingly working in the referendum campaign. And, and they've pulled some quite astonishing uh, victories in the past, particularly the last Scottish parliamentary election. They came from behind in the polls to win an absolutely stunning victory. So I think people would say it's still all to play for, but the no camp is in the lead clearly i've also read that the debate is going to turn much more on economics than on questions of national identity does that seem to you to be the correct reading of things well, the underlying question, identity is absolutely core to the fact that we're having this debate. So I, I think, you know, it wouldn't be right to say economics are more important than identity. But I think there is a lot of the experts would agree that economics and the sense of how an independent Scotland would fare economically is going to be decisive in the referendum vote. So a lot of people, their kind of engagement with the idea is based in large part in a sense of separate Scottish identity, but their willingness to actually express that through creating an independent country for a lot of people is very much based on whether they feel it's going to be economically good idea. 
So, John, break down the economic argument for us. What does it turn on? I mean, could it be as crude as saying, will the benefits of having the oil to themselves outweigh the risks of not being in a currency union with the UK? Or is it broader than that? I think it is broader than that. The argument that Salmond and the S&P are making is that Scotland can not only survive on its own, but it could also thrive. And I think that comes down to an argument not only about the oil, but that Scotland's economy is different and has become more different to the rest of the United Kingdom, and that more control over taxation and the regulatory environment would allow this more different economy to flourish. That was an argument that would have been more powerful, I think, maybe five years ago when Ireland was doing very well. How much has the problems of the Irish cast a shadow over the Scottish independence case? Because I see, for example, that they are now saying they won't join the euro. They'll try and stick with the pound sterling. Well, that's right. Scotland is stuck geographically between Norway and Ireland, but it's also stuck in its arguments between Norway and Ireland. It says it will have more oil revenue. That is true. But as we know, that's very volatile. And it's also made a big case historically that it could be a Celtic tiger. Now, that was all fine and well when Ireland was zipping along at 5 to 10% GDP growth. But if you're Scotland and your banking assets are 1,400% of GDP, which is what would be the case under an independent country, that looks a lot less sturdy than it did five, six, seven years ago. Muir, do you think that the debate really is going to get into the nitty gritty of how you manage a currency union, how much an independent financial sector can afford to take on? Or do you think those kind of issues, while they excite us here at the FT, will be kind of above the head of the electorate? Well, I think they play into the debate. I don't think it would be right to say that the average voter is really going to get to grips with the arguments for a currency union or weighing the, the likelihood of the remaining UK agreeing to one. But like every political debate, I think the expert discussion will feed into a general sense of whether the Scottish government's kind of vision for post-independence economic settlement is realistic or not. So I, th- I think it is important, but most voters inevitably will have to go into the poll with a general sense of what the future economic implications would be. And and let's face it, these are very difficult things to settle. Just being an expert doesn't mean you know where the economy is going to go, even absent such a big wrench as independence would be. And you you mentioned uh, earlier that the background, the reason we're having this argument at all is this question of identity. So let's look briefly at that. What is the essence of the Scots-Nats case? If they had to define what it is that sets the Scots apart from the English, how would they summarise it? Well, they wouldn't summarise it that way. I think what the, the message now, the core message that the nationalists are trying to send is that Scotland is a sort of natural nation, that Scotland would be better governed from Edinburgh than it can be from London, and the primary sovereignty should rest in Scotland, but that they would still want and be willing to share sovereignty both with the remaining UK and with the EU in in many areas. So Scotland's still very much connected to its neighbours and within Europe, but that kind of final sovereignty uh, resting in Scotland. And uh, just a, a confidence that even though they accept the autonomy of a, an independent Scotland would be limited by its, its connections with the remaining UK and, and with the EU, but that it would do a better job of running the country with the powers it would gain from independence. So that's where the, the core kind of argument at the moment rests. John, do you think that there is a sense of separate Scottishness, though, that's driving this? 
in the long term, if you look back decades, at least from the post-war period, you do see a slow decline in the number of Scots who say they feel British. And I think that is to do with the decline of empire and a common story, the decline of common British institutions, and also different experiences of the intra-Thatcher and post-Thatcher economies. However, there hasn't been a decline of Scots-Britishness since devolution. So in this discussion, I don't think we can discount the abject incompetence of the Scottish Labour Party from the discussion. This never was meant to happen, this vote, and it probably wouldn't have if politicians in the Scottish Labour Party had acted differently. So you're saying it could almost be an accident if things drift towards independence, that that it was contingent on a number of political errors. Muir, can I ask you about that? Because we referred earlier to David Cameron's speech. And there is a sense here in London that maybe the people campaigning for union have so far had a bad campaign, that they've been too negative, they've been running a scare campaign, that they haven't made the case for why the union's a good thing. Does that have any resonance with you? I think a lot of people here feel that they're not being offered enough of a positive case for staying within the UK. There is a difficulty, obviously, the um, no campaigners think it's important to raise questions about the very Panglossian vision offered by the Scottish National Party and to emphasise the risks of independence. But there is a desire, I think, among a lot of Scots to hear a, a kind of positive reason for voting no and to have a reason to have confidence about Scotland's future within the UK. And so I I would think that it's going to be very important for the No campaign to to offer more of that in the months before the vote. Which brings us to the rather crucial question of the role of the British government. I mean, it seems to me, John, that Scottish nationalism is always in a particularly strong position when there's a Tory government or Tory-led government here in London because the Tories do so badly in Scotland. So how is David Cameron going to play this? Is he going to try and stay invisible, stay out of the Scottish campaign? Or would that, in a sense, tacitly be making the Scots Nats case that the Prime Minister of the UK isn't really legitimate in Scotland? That's the bet that Alex Salmond is making. The question is, will David Cameron call his bluff? Today, he's giving a speech trying to revive the Olympic spirit, this plural sense of Britishness. But the argument he's making there is very much to England, Wales and Northern Ireland. Whether he will go north, it doesn't look likely at the moment. But I think the big question is, if it gets to the summer and the polls continue to creep up, will he feel he has to show some presence north of the border? Muir, how do you think that's going to play? I mean, do you think it would be wiser for him to leave it to surrogates in the Labour Party? After all, the Prime Minister before him, Gordon Brown, is a Scot. Perhaps he could play a more prominent role. Well, John says, I think, I think there is a lot will depend on whether they think they can win without it. There is a, a real risk to David Cameron taking more of a role in Scotland and, you know, for example, um, accepting the Alex Salmon challenge to a debate. On one side, one of the kind of emotional drivers for independence is a sense uh, among many Scots that they're very much got a subordinate role in the union. Scottish people tend to bristle if they feel Scotland's being forgotten or ignored within the UK. And so kind of giving Scotland attention and telling Scotland that it matters, I think actually would have quite a lot of emotional resonance and could be quite an important part of the campaign. But on the other side, the Conservative Party is very unpopular in Scotland. A lot of the policies being pursued by the coalition government are very unpopular in Scotland. And David Cameron isn't the kind of figure who many Scots are really warm to. So there's a risk to him coming, but there's a risk to him not coming. I think it's it's going to be a difficult calculation for them if the, if the polls narrow. 
Okay, well, we've got, as you pointed out when we began, some months to go before the the vote. Just just to conclude, John and Mio, I'd like to ask you, what do you think we should be looking out over the coming months? Is it just a question of following the polls, or do you think there'll be specific turning points, specific moments when this debate really heats up? Mio first. Well, one thing we haven't mentioned, actually, is the European elections. And I think if the European elections in May give a sense that the rest of the UK is turning against Europe and that UK, for example, is gaining ground and the Labour Party is not doing very well, and I think that will have a, an impact on the campaign. And I think also the general sense beyond the polls, but how the debate emerges, whether the, the nationalists are able to, to kind of create a sense of reality about the choice and a sense of excitement, because at the moment, you don't get the feeling that Scotland is on the cusp of a kind of hugely historic constitutional decision. People are talking about it, but it's not got that kind of sense of energy yet. So I'll be watching for that to emerge. And I think that would be uh, important to go alongside any polls. John? The perception of what an independent Scotland's economy would be like seems to be the most powerful indicator of how Scots will vote in September. So as well as the May election and as well as Andy Murray's performance at Wimbledon, I would be looking at the views of Scots towards any post-independence economy. If they start thinking it's more realistic and they start seeing it in more optimistic terms, then I would be worried as a no campaigner. OK, John McDermott here in London and Muir Dickey in Scotland. Thank you both very much for taking part in this discussion. That's it for this week. Until next week, goodbye. For more downloads, go to ft.com forward slash podcasts.